Hey, good evening, West Houston Christian Center. Pastor Jack C. It's Tuesday night, so that must mean it's time for Bible study. So get your Bible, get your notebook. We're going to go through the Word tonight. Uh, as I was saying on Sunday, one of the main calls of West Houston Christian Center is we're a teaching ministry. And uh, all of us, your pastoral staff, one of our main giftings is to teach. And so uh, whenever we have opportunities to do it, uh, we should take full advantage of it. You know, we all need more education. Um, I got a lot of counseling uh, before I got married. And uh, Michelle and I sat through counseling and we put a lot of work and effort into it. But you know what? At the end of the day, I wish I would have had more. Uh, so you, we can never get enough uh, learning uh, from the Word of God because it's a living document and in it is the power to bring change. Amen? So what we're going to talk about today is, is we're going to continue talking about the love of God, but we're going to take just a little bit of a side note today, and I want to show you how the love of God and prosperity are connected. So let's go to the Bible. Let's go to the book of Mark. And this is a scripture that we used last week, last Tuesday night, Mark chapter 12, verse 30. And it says, and you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. I'll read that again. And you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And I'll do just a little bit of review on what some of those key words mean. When it says you shall love God, it means we should be embracing God's will choosing his choices and obeying them. Uh, as we said last week, one of the main parts about how I show God that I love him is by obeying his commandments. Um, uh, when I listen and I do what God tells me to do, I am showing him, not just giving him lip service, telling him that I love him, but I'm actually showing him that I love him by doing what he's told me to do. Listen to me, when we talk about doing what God tells us to do, Always remember that his burden is easy and his yoke is light. Amen. When God asks us to do something, he's not trying to pile on with us a bunch of rules and laws and regulations. When God says to follow my commandments, what he's saying is, is that if you'll adhere to the things that I'm telling you to do, your quality of life will not get worse, it'll get better. If we follow the commandments of God, if we do what he tells us to do, see, he's not just trying to enforce some sort of government control on us. He wants to control all of our thoughts, all of our, he doesn't want to control us. God's not a micromanager. What God is saying is, is if you want the best life possible, if you want a life with the least amount of bumps, if you want a life that's going to lead you to the ultimate purpose of what you were created for, if you follow his commands and do what the Bible tells us to do, then we're going to end up in his purpose. And that's a wonderful, prosperous place. Amen. So when he says to love the Lord thy God, he's in saying, embracing God's will, choosing his choices and obeying them. When he says to love the Lord God with all your heart, that is your desire producer that makes us tick. Um, it's decisions that establish who we really are. It's the seat from which all choices are made. The very center of my being, of the core of who I am, is my heart. 
When I love God with all of my heart, that means that any choice or any decision that I make, I'm going to make sure that it's coming from His seat of God's love and God's will for my life. God is the springboard. Everything comes out of that will and that love for God. I can't have a love for God and a love for money at the same place. I can't love God and mammon. I don't have two places from which my choices and decisions are being made. I can only have one choice. So when I love God with all my heart, that means the innermost being of who I am, the very core, the very center of my very being, I love God with my heart. When it says to love Him with all of our soul, that's our mind, our will, and our emotion. That is my um, personality. That's my unique identity. I am loving God individually. I am loving God with my mind, with my will, and with my emotion. You know, I found out that when God's in control of my mind and my will and my emotion, good things happen. Conversely, when I'm in control of my mind and my will and my emotion, not always the best things happen. So when God is saying to love Him with all of our soul, that means that I am following and I am acknowledging Him in all my ways. That means, you know, we've been on this, this kick in Matthew 6, about seeking God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. When I follow God first, when I seek Him first in my mind, in my will, in my emotions, then I'm always going to be at the right place at the right time with the right amount for any and everything that I ever need. When I am walking, when God is in control of those things, and when I say control, I'm not some robot that He's controlling, but I'm saying His will, His word, and His spirit are controlling the decision parts of me. He's always going to lead me to more. You know, I, I don't know anybody in the Bible that ever went after God that ended up poor. They always ended up richer. I don't know anybody that ever went after God that didn't end up wiser or smarter. They don't end up dumber. Whenever we go after God, whenever we give Him our mind, our will, and our emotions, He's always leading us to more. So that's a good uh, indicator of why it's so important to love God with our soul. When it says to love Him with my mind... Um, I, I love this. Uh, it talks about our critical thinking. When I love God with my mind, that means I am making a choice. I am choosing to think in my mind how much that I love God. I am exercising the cognitive part of my creative being, and I am loving God with my mind. You know, when I got saved, there was critical thinking that had to take place. Now, God called and he said, Jack, I'm going to give you heaven for hell, death, uh, life for death, you know, goodness for badness, freedom for prison, all those things. It was a really good offer. It didn't take me long to think about that offer, but I still had to think about it. Amen. So when God says love him with our mind, then I want to love him with my thinking. And when I say loving with my thinking, I don't want to allow a whole bunch of different types of thinking to enter in. I want to think on him. Amen. I want him, like I said with my heart, to be the very seat of all my choices and all my decisions. Well, how do I do that? I do that through the Word of God. I do that through spending time with him. See, my beautiful wife and I, Michelle, will be married 24 years in September. The more time we spend together, the more we know each other, the more we know each other's hearts, the more we become that one flesh that the Bible talks about. It's the exact same with God. When we give him our mind, our will, our emotions, our hearts, Everything that's in us, the more time that we spend with Him, the more we become like Him. 
And uh, that's really what he's after is Christ likeness. When it says to love him with all of our strength, that means to love him with all of our might. That means I am to love him um, with all that I have and all that is within me. I want to love him with all of my strength. Strength usually uh, is indicative of a physical uh, application, but that's okay. I want to love him with all of my strength, with all of my might. I want to be saturated with the love of God, every part of me. There's not one part of me that I want roped off or where God can't get to it. I want to live in the light. I want him to, to have free access uh, in my life in every area. So what the Bible's saying is, is that I want to love him from the inside out. Earthly love would say you love somebody from the outside in. Earthly love would say, well, I see somebody, I'm attracted to that person, I like that person. If that person likes me, then I'll let him into my heart. And you see what I'm saying? It works backwards. God's love works differently. He wants to come into the very heart of us first. We don't start from the outside. He wants to start from the inside. So that's just a little recap of what we talked about last Tuesday. But uh, let's move forward with today. I just want to show you just one, and there's many, many opportunities and many descriptions in the Bible of people that were benefited by loving God. And I'm gonna give you today five keys to abundance. And uh, you're gonna see through the life of Solomon how his one decision to love God and to do what God told him to do led him to be the most prosperous man the world has ever seen, amen? So let's go to our Bibles, let's go to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 3, beginning in verse 3. And what we're calling this today are the benefits of loving God. Uh, let's jump up to verse 2. It says, Meanwhile, the people sacrificed at the high places because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. Verse 3, and this is what I want to get to. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. Let's key on this. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David. What's the number one prerequisite uh, it's for knowing God? It's to love God. But how did Solomon show that he loved God? By walking in the statutes of David. Solomon figured out that as long as he walked in the commandments of David, that he would walk in that blessing. So Solomon showed God. He didn't give God lip service. He didn't just uh, tell God what he wanted him to hear. Solomon said, I am going to love you, God, and the best way that I can show you that I love you is to continue to walk in the statutes of my father, David. Remember what it says in John 14, 15, and this is Jesus speaking. If you love me, keep my commandments. Amen? If you love me, keep my commandments. Let's look at Romans 8, 28. This is a great verse. Sometimes, though, it gets a little bit mixed up. And uh, we'll bring a little clarity to it today. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are the called according to His purpose. 
a lot of times we'll just take the first part of that verse and use it as a blanket verse just to say that God is sovereign. And when something happens, we just say, well, all things work together for good. And we just sweep it under the rug as if, well, that was just supposed to happen because that was God's will for it to happen. God is sovereign, therefore he must have wanted that to happen. You got to read the rest of the verse. All things work together for good, not just for anybody, but to those who love him. It's very, very important that only all things work together for good for those that love God. We cannot look at across the world today and everything that's going on and saying, well, all these things must be happening because it must be God's will. No, no, no. All these people, they don't love God. In order for us to walk in that verse, we have to fulfill um, uh, the commitment of the verse when it says, um, and, we, and they love God. Amen. All things work together for good for those who love God and who are the called according to his purpose. Now, a lot of times we'll take one word out of that verse and we'll change the meaning. It's not those who are called, but it's the ones who are the called according to his purpose. I want you to notice that all things work together for good for those who love God, number one, and those who are the called according to his purpose. If you want to walk in biblical prosperity, number one, you have to love God. But number two, we have to be the called into his purpose. The closer that I get to whatever my high calling is in Christ, whatever it is that I was created for, God is the most purposeful being the universe has ever seen. There will never be anyone else like God. He is a purposeful being. He doesn't create anything that it doesn't have a purpose. You and I, as individuals, with our free will, God has given us the ability to seek after our high calling or our purpose in Him. The closer that I get to the purpose in which I was created for, the closer that I get to that high calling, the more I'm going to begin to increase in every area of my life. The closer I get to that high calling, the closer I get to His purpose, the closer I find out exactly what I was created for, when I find out what that is, then I'm going to begin to prosper more and more. It's the exact opposite for those of us also that when we just go after and try and fulfill our own purposes, See, what happens a lot of times is, is that we just try and do whatever we want to do. I'm going to go after this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But did we ever take time to ask God, what is his purpose for my life? You know, we talked about a verse in the Bible on Sunday when it says, um, in that day, many will come to me saying, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons. We did these mighty works. And it says, and Jesus said plainly, depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity or you workers of lawlessness. Just because we're saved doesn't mean that I can just go do whatever I want to do, even in the name of God. I still have to find out what is his purpose. Am I being obedient to what he called or told me to do? The ones that know God are the ones that spend time with God, that know his purpose, that know his plan, and are walking in obedience to the discipleship that he's put before us. I cannot just go do whatever it is I want to go do. You know, people will ask me at the church sometimes, can I do something? Can I do this? Can I do that? And sometimes, I, you know, we have to say no. 
well, and they want to know, well, why, why can't I get, why won't you let me do it? And I'm like, I can't go do whatever I want to go do. How do I let you do it? None of us can just go do whatever it is that we want to go do. We have to find out what is God's purpose and God's plan, and we have to be obedient to what he told us to do, and then we're going to fulfill whatever our purpose and whatever he's called us to be. Amen? So, number one, number one key for abundance, and that's the one found in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 3. Prosperity comes when I love God and I am walking in His purpose. Solomon, before he did anything else, before he, um, anything else that God gave him or promised him, it says that he loved God and he continued in the statutes of his father David. If you want to be blessed, find out what God's called you to do and do it with all your might. Second key to abundance is in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 7. And it says, Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to come in or how to go out. Number two key for biblical prosperity is humility. Amen? Humility can go a long, long way. I would dare to say that the world right now could use just a good dose of humility in our leaders uh, in the ones that are making decisions right now. You know, when we stop making things about us and we start doing things for the people, uh, when we quit doing things to score political points, when we actually put some plans in place that'll actually help some people, you know, I, I think one of the saddest, sickest things um, that we could ever do is have the ability to truly help a large number of people but because it doesn't line up politically with a party, we choose not to do it. That is the very description of Satan and of hell. We do not withhold good from those who need it just because they don't line up with us ideologically or politically. Amen. Good is always good. Bad is always bad. Love always wins. Love covers a, a, a multitude of sins. And if we could just get back into the business of helping each other, if we really had people that would stand up and be true public servants, what would our world look like? Amen. So the number two key to abundance is humility. Solomon was not young in years, but was humble in admitting his inexperience. Amen. Um, God knows us. He knows our hearts. And, and I, I wrote this down. If God was going to choose somebody to be the leader of a, of a, uh, of a great mission or, a, or, or to lead something, God would rather find an uneducated, humble person than an overeducated, prideful person to lead. A person that walks in true humility that's going to follow after God is actually going to do what God had asked them to do. A prideful person, a person that's filled with their own education, their own ways, their own thoughts, they always have a better way. There's always a better plan. Let me just tell you, beware of the better plan. You know, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end leads to death. Man always has a better plan and a better way, but God's ways are always better. More people get blessed and there's less trouble when you do it, when you do God's plan and you do it God's way. Amen? So... Um, you kind of had two, well, we'll get into this in just a second, but you have to look at the difference between Saul and David. 
Saul was the, the tallest, the best looking from the best family, had the most money, was the most gifted, had people that were called to serve and help him, yet he would not do what God called him to do, and it cost him his kingdom. The next king you had was David. David was the youngest of a big family, uh, was a shepherd boy, uh, wasn't even, was not even counted worthy to be in the house when, Saul, when, uh, when the Samuel came uh, looking for the next king. He was not even in the, in the, in the comprehension uh, of his father and of his brothers. He was out alone. They said, just get that kid out of here. Put him out there in the woods. Let him protect the sheep. Don't even let the boy in the house. Amen. But yet what was so cool about David was that he listened to what God said and he did what God called him to do. That's the difference. You can have a Saul or you can have a David. You can have an overqualified, overachieving, from the best family, looks good, fool's gold, or you can have somebody that truly listens and that only happens through humility. I cannot think that I know it all, that I have all the answers. None of us have all the answers. Amen, only God does. So I wanna come to God with humility and just say, God, you, 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 you see my heart, you know how I am, uh, Lord. Um, even though I'm not young in years, you know, Michelle and I could do that with taking over the pastorate at West Houston Christian Center. Michelle and I are not young in years, but we do know that we're inexperienced in being the lead pastors of this church. So we, we rely on God every day to show us and tell us what to do. I do not think that I can come in here and change everything and I've got this great plan and we're gonna take the church to the next level. That is foolishness and that is pride. The only thing I can do is to come in, be thankful for the foundation in which we get to step on. I mean, we're blessed. I mean, there's just no other way to say it. Uh, I'm the, I, I hit the lottery. I mean, we won the jackpot. We, we won it all. We, we got the, this beautiful building, a great congregation. God's just blessed us, but we don't think we know it all. And so we seek God with humility every day. God, show us what to do. Show us how to lead this great people. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Number three, and each one of these points are teachings all on their own. So I'm just kind of giving you just a little bit of each one today. But uh, hopefully one day we'll be able to go back and, and go through them again. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9 says, Therefore give your servant an understanding, or the word says, a hearing heart to judge your people, that I might discern between good and evil. Listen to me. Solomon went to God on behalf of the people and put aside his own personal wants or needs. Let's be real honest, Solomon was not in the best position politically in Israel. He had already had a brother that had risen up and tried to be coronated before him. There were Absalons. This was, not a, uh, this was, this was a dysfunctional family with a capital D. And so I'm sure you, 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 know, you kind of had to check what you drank and what you ate and made sure that you know, somebody wasn't trying to get ahead in the family uh, in this monarchy right then. But uh, you know what he did? Solomon could have just gotten rid of all of his enemies. There were so many things that he could have done to solidify himself as just a true king in Israel. But instead, this is what's so cool. He said, I, I, I don't want protection for myself, but I want help, Lord, in how to lead this great people. He was selfless in what he was going after prosperity for. That's key number three, selflessness. 
if I'm going after biblical prosperity just for me, then there needs to be a mission or a purpose or a plan to what I'm going to do with the, with, if it's money, what am I going to do with the money? Am I just trying to be a collector? Do I just want more money to have money or do I have a plan? Do I have a faith project that I'm believing God for? Amen. Just to collect things sometimes is not the most healthy thing to do. Just to have money, just to have it. That's not a biblical principle. Our money should have a purpose and it should have a mission. But I want, what I want you to notice is, and this all goes back to loving God and following David's statutes. Remember, everything we're talking about up to this point is that first and foremost, Solomon loved God. And because he loved God and followed his father's statutes, there was humility. There was this selflessness. I want you to see how love starts all this. We don't want to do these things out of order. Amen? Love always comes first. The fourth key, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 14. It says, So if you walk in my ways to keep my statements and my commands as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. This is a big one. We've talked about it before, but the number four point for abundance is obedience. And, and it's so easy to say, but it's so hard to do sometimes. It is so important to us. The higher and the more that we're growing in the things of God, there's a greater level of obedience that we all have to walk in. You know, we teach our children at a very, very young age to be obedient to our words. What we're trying to do is if we can get them to learn to be obedient to our words as parents, that when they're out of our house and they're on their own, they've learned how to listen to that voice and now they'll know how to hear God's voice and be obedient to Him when He's speaking to them. It is vital to, be, uh, to walk in any type of prosperity or abundance to be obedient. Amen. I have to do what He tells me to do with what He gives me. Remember, when God ever asked me to give something, He's trying to get something else to me. Whenever God asks me to give something, when He says to be obedient, to follow Him in this command, let's just say I follow Him in the tithe. You know, there's, there's so many people, unfortunately, that miss out on the, on the wonderful joy and the blessing of the tithe by being obedient to Him um, because we hold on to our things too tightly. We're always afraid that we're not going to have enough for us. How can I think about giving 10% to God? And what God is saying is, if you'll just be obedient, if you'll just trust me with one dime of a dollar, that's all I'm asking for. If you'll be obedient to me in those things, I can show you how to walk in a greater level of abundance. You know, um, Tithing, uh, people want to debate it and they, they want to fight over it and, you know, did it pass away and all those types of things. Um, I encourage all of us, you know, we need to be listening to teaching on tithing. We need to be um, listening to teaching on giving and those types of things. It's important for us to build our faith up in those areas. But just know when God asks us to tithe, what he's trying to say is if you'll just trust me with that top 10%, and, and God doesn't even get the money. You know, there's not a rocket ship behind the church that every Monday when we come and do the offering, we take 10% and send it to heaven. It stays here in the earth. But when we give it in faith into that place where I'm being fed, 
then I am actually blessing the other 90% of what I have and it makes it holy. And what we've talked about before, Satan can't touch what's holy. So it's important for us to be obedient. If you, you know, I really should have said this before. If you're really believing for any type of financial growth or abundance in those types of things, it all starts with tithing. Uh, we cannot jump that one step and get into sowing and getting into to those types of things if we haven't fulfilled, you know, if we love God, we'll do it. If I love God, I'll tithe. I can't say it any simpler than that. I, I don't tithe because He makes me. I don't tithe because I'm compelled to do it. I tithe because I love Him and I want to be obedient and I want to do what He asked me to do. So I want to encourage you, tithe. It'll, it'll change your life and it'll change the life of your family too. So obedience is a big thing. Now, this is obedience is what got Solomon into a lot of trouble. God had three rules for Solomon. He said, Solomon, I don't want you to collect horses. I don't want you to collect gold. <clears throat> and I don't want you to collect wives. God always wanted to be, horses were always, how many warriors do you have? How many chariots? It was indicative of how much military might you had. God always wanted Israel and Solomon to be dependent on his might, upon his might to protect Israel from invaders. Solomon, don't collect gold. God wanted to be the most precious thing to Solomon, not how many bags of gold that he had. And he didn't want him to collect wives because he knew that if he collected wives, that he would lose that partnership and covenant with him because Solomon would have too little to give to all these different wives and stuff. And this unfortunately is exactly what Solomon did. Isn't that amazing? You can have this wonderful dream from God. God himself can come talk to you and give you this great plan. But you know what? If we're not obedient to do what he tells us to do, we can lose it all. So it's so very important, amen, we have to build our faith, build our faith, build our faith. We have to do the things that God tells us to do so that we can walk in the blessings that he has for us. You know, there were three of the first three kings of Israel. You had Saul, you had David, and you had Solomon. Saul and Solomon were both given the kingdom, which means they didn't have to earn it. They didn't have to work for it. They didn't have a vested interest in it. But David, David had to believe God for the promise of being the king. He was anointed and coronated at a very young age, but it spent years and years and years of sacrifice, of praying, of believing, of being faithful, of growing. And then when it was time for him to take his place as the king of Israel, it meant something to him. If you'll remember, because Solomon, there was bloodshed between Bathsheba and, 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 and um, Bathsheba's husband and, and that whole story. Because of David's sin, he wasn't allowed to build the temple. That went to Solomon. But David gave millions and millions and millions of his own treasury into the building of that temple. He said, this has to cost me something. I cannot just take something from nothing from God. I've got to be involved. I've got to be a blessing. I've got to sow into this. So very, 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 very important, amen, that we're obedient to do what God tells us to do. The fifth um, key to abundance um, is in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 15. And it says, Then Solomon awoke, remember this had been a dream, and indeed it had been a dream, and he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, offered up burnt offerings, offered peace offerings, and made a feast for all of his servants. 
I had originally made this key sacrifice, but really when I went back and looked at it today, it's really faith. I want you to notice that as soon as Solomon woke up from that dream, he began to act on and use his faith on what God had said. He did not wait for him to begin to prosper, then to make burnt offerings, then to do peace offerings, and then to make a feast for his servants. Solomon started acting on what God already said he was going to be. That's so important. David wasn't waiting for something to happen. I'm sorry, Solomon was not waiting for something to happen and then he was going to start walking in the fullness of it. No, no, no. The minute he woke up, he took God's word by faith and he began to act it out. So the fifth key to abundance, and it doesn't come as any surprise, is faith. Amen. If we truly want to be obedient to God and to do what he's called us to do, it takes faith to do it. Sometimes he asks us to do something, to give something, to sow something, uh, and it doesn't make any sense to our normal minds. But you know what? When God asks something of us, he's always trying to get more to us. If you really want to prosper in any way, shape, or form, body, soul, or spirit, it's going to take faith to do it. I've got to believe that when I read God's word, that it has the power to change the way that I think. I have to believe that when God tells me to sow, that it also, that he also gives me the power to harvest and to reap. Amen. Well, I know this has been kind of quick tonight and I kind of went through it rather quickly. Hopefully one day we can go back and we can go through each point individually. But just know that all abundance, everything good from God simply starts by loving Him and doing what He tells us to do. Amen. Well, this has been a great time. It's been a wonderful Tuesday night. It's really Monday morning. But it's been a great Tuesday night. It's always considered it a blessing and an honor. Michelle and I love you very, very much. We pray for you every week. Michelle is over our prayer department now and she's praying over your prayer request and we want you to know that those things don't go unprayed for and that we are standing in faith for so many people at West Houston Christian right now. And uh, we, are, we speak the word over every situation. We call you all healed and whole for those. Uh, we continue just to push back against fear and uh, we declare that no weapon formed against us shall prosper and anything spoken against us in judgment shall come to nothing for such is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. I want to encourage you, pray for Michelle and I, pray for your church staff, pray for our city leaders, our county leaders, pray for the president, whether you voted for him or not. If you pray for him, uh, then the days you'll be peaceful in the land. Amen. Well, as I said before, Michelle and I love you very, very much. Didn't she do an amazing job with the children's ministry on Sunday? Uh, I was still laughing today. She does a great, great job. Uh, send some comments. Let us know that you're watching, uh, that this has been a blessing to you. We, we've got potentially some Zoom Sunday school classes that are going to be coming to you so we can do a little bit more education, a little bit more fellowship. But just remember this one thing. Jesus Christ is Lord. We love you. We'll see you Sunday.